My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a little boy. And this <laughs> is Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, listen to our intro episode or wait until the end where we'll explain them again. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, Wicked Pissa JD, the man, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, toilet paper, and no criticism of any kind at burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com. That's burnnoticed with a D. Or to our Twitter, at burnnoticedpod. Okay, I have two things. Thing one, how are they sending us toilet paper via email? Thing two, do you want to know why I said I used to be a little boy? I think they can send us toilet paper however they want. <laughs> All kinds of toilet paper, even digital, All will be accepted. All kinds of toilet paper. Yes. And why... Brie, did you used to be a little boy? Because I Googled I used to be a, and it was the third Google result, and I thought that was funny. What were the first two? Human being and people person. And those seemed less funny. Those are less funny. I'm curious about those searches. Yeah, I used to be a king. I used to be a newspaper man myself. I used to be a king chords. I guess that's probably a song. I used to be a human being summary. I used to be a Brooklyn Dodger lyrics. I used to be a Democrat. I used to be a used to. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So I refuse to actually search any of these results, but it's interesting to no, know. No, I don't that's think we need to know. Yeah. I, don't, I You know, I'll, I'm, I think privacy is important and people should be allowed to, to keep their secrets. So this episode, The Hunter. <laughs> no and. Not the and Hunter. The Hunter aired on July 16th, 2009. It was directed by Brian Spicer, who's directed a ton of TV, including a lot of episodes of the Hawaii Five-O reboot. And this is his only burn notice. Uh, with a story by Ryan Johnson, but not that one. A different Ryan Johnson, who hasn't actually written a lot of TV on other shows. A good amount of burn notice has mostly worked on Blind Spot since then, which is... A similar level of quality. But that's just a story credit. And the teleplay credit is by Lisa Joy, who also hasn't worked on a ton of shows. But the shows that she has worked on are Westworld and Pushing Daisies. I like Pushing Daisies. Westworld, eh. Yeah. I could give or take, but... uh, I still need to watch Westworld. It seems like a show that is tailor-made for me to like. So I don't think you would like it. Honestly, having seen a season and a half of it, eh, it's nothing special. I feel like you would yeah. find it overrated. I mean, I probably would, but I might be into it. Who knows? Who knows? Um, this is the first time that we've seen also, a story versus teleplay distinction, which I always find interesting in TV. It's like, so I had the great idea and I deserve to be credited for this great idea, but I didn't actually write any of it. Yeah, I don't know. I think that means a lot of things. I mean, it could be that, like, he spent a lot of time actually breaking the story and breaking the beats. 
and then had to hand over the actual And then couldn't pages. be bothered to write it. Yeah. Because, you know, they're all also producers and they're busy and, you know. Or it could just be that Ryan was like, what if they're on the run in the woods? And it was like, I deserve credit for this. I deserve specific credit for this episode. The politics of credits in film and TV are a whole thing. Yeah, which we do not have time to get into. But, hey, Lady Raider. We don't get a lot of those, so I'm excited. Yeah. And on two shows that, if nothing else, have critical acclaim, like love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, critical acclaim. Pushing Daisies um, is fantastic. If you have not seen Pushing Daisies out there, go watch, watch Pushing, Pushing Daisies. Daisies. Pushing Daisies is one of my favorite shows of all time. Great show. I wish that was the kind of stuff Brian Fuller was still doing, but now he's doing like really dark, fucked up stuff, which is like, I get it, he's into and I'm happy for him, but I miss the like, cheerily fucked up stuff the dead like me i like both of them i i think he's good at both of them and yeah but i only like one of them and that's what's important the most important thing in this case though is that this is everyone involves first episode of burn notice new this is new blood everyone involved is doing burn notice for the first time at least credited as the at for the first time and for Brian Spicer the last time. And I think it shows. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that that makes sense to me. I think this definitely feels like a burn notice written by people who haven't had a lot of practice writing burn notice. I didn't dislike it, though. I, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought like every once in a while there was something that I was like, mm, what's happening here? But for the most part, I thought it was a fun, exciting episode. I liked the tension between Michael and his unlikely pal in the forest i i thought that the unlikely pal like his frustration and turncoat nature made sense both for the situation at hand and for the character that they were making him out to be and i don't know i I think it did um but it also meant that he was very repetitive it did but it's also like he's a bad guy you know I generally have sympathy for characters like this because a lot of times in shows like this, the worst thing you can be from the audience's perspective is someone who is hindering the hero from doing the thing that they want to do. Right. But I also... Even if you have a good reason for hindering it. Well, I don't think that he... I mean, so he has good reasons sometimes. But the other thing is that I think, like, he has absolutely no loyalty to this man. And for the most part, it is fully Michael Weston's fault that he's in this situation. And he's not a good guy. Like, his whole thing, he's like, I am a bad guy. Get away from me. If I can get out of this without bringing you with me, I will do it. I don't give a shit about you at all. also, he spends a lot of the episode being kind of stupid. I mean, sure. But also, how often are you in this situation where you can practice your response to, you know, being literally uh, most dangerous game? I mean, it's game? believable. I also don't think he's super well-written. No, he's he's definitely not well-written. And I was going to make that point. It's like a lot of his, and his performance is a little bit too much, I think. Like, yeah. it's very pointed and specific in a way that doesn't feel natural. But like the broad strokes of that character and his interaction with Michael, especially once we get into the meat of the episode, I don't know. I thought I I liked it. It could have gone a lot worse and we've seen it go a lot worse. I mean, we have. But what I think is interesting because we have a story credit and a teleplay credit. And part of me wants to give 
like the credit for the good things of the character to, to the, the story, story guy, to Ryan Johnson. And then like maybe Lisa Joy let him down, which is a shame to say. <laughs> because we we think women can do no wrong on Burn Noticed. Exactly. And also she went on to better shows. That's true. Well, I mean, maybe um, maybe Ryan Johnson uh, had a lot of like oversight. And like the reason he got the story credit is because he was breathing down her neck and he was like, no, he's got to be more like straightforward gangster boss. We'll get into it in more detail once we get into the weeds. Can we go much like the characters of this week's episode? Uh, Can we go into the weeds, Papa, please? Can we go into the weeds? Let's go into the weeds. Wait, we can't. We haven't read the IMDb description. Oh, no. Too late. We're in the weeds. Hold on. Wait, I think I'm in the weeds right now. But I can still see the description. Okay, squint. From outside of the here. Weeds. Let me give you a boost. Come here. Put your put your foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right there. And whoa! okay, cool. Yeah. All right. The premise of this episode, according to IMDb, is Michael. Is, sorry, I'm balancing. Michael is outnumbered and on the run, and the Everglades from an old Ukrainian nemesis, and his only ally is an angry gun runner whom Michael inadvertently got roped into the situation. Got it. Okay, cool. Cool. I actually really like that that uh, description. I think that was a, a pretty well done sort of delineation of events, and it was sort of it was yeah. fun. I don't know. It was probably one of the better, job, well, IMDb. more more well written IMDb descriptions than we've had ever. All right. Well, we're already in the weeds. Hell yeah. So my, Michael and Fee are training in Michael's apartment, getting very sweaty. This is a grungy episode. <laughs> This is like a wet, sweaty episode. And I got to say, I kind of like that. It's nice to finally see them get out of their clean linen shirts and get down in the dirt. Yeah, this is like dirty, grimy, sweaty, gross episode. But yeah, and so they're kind of like boxing each other and training. And then Fee starts to really go to town on Michael because of their conflict that they have. I always do like episodes where Fee beats the shit out of Michael because she's romantically frustrated. Yeah. And they talk about what they talked about last week. <laughs> you you mean the thing that they talk about every episode since the season started? Exactly. Yeah. Except now Fiona's like, well, I've agreed to be okay with it, but I'm still angry. And that's it. Then they hear something outside. Someone has left Michael a gift basket full of yogurt <laughs> with a note for a meeting. Did you happen to catch how many yogurts there were? There were several yogurts. I did not get an exact number. At least four. I think there were five. But these, these were yogurts that we saw. These were not necessarily... They did not eat all of these yogurts. On but the we episode. do physically see that many yogurts, and I think that's counted in the past. Like, we don't see Michael eat drink his yogurt drink, but we counted that last season. That's true. And they do open um, a couple of them. Like They do open a couple. Like, Michael and Fee, like, apparently there's multiple flavors, which is new for us, because we know that Michael Weston has, like, one flavor of yogurt. And we, we know that, so they, they each try some, and then they trade yogurts and try the other person's yogurt, which I thought was such a bizarre and funny thing, that where they're like, not only are we it's excited about this free yogurt. very good yogurt. Yeah, they're not just excited about it, but they're like, ooh, I want to try everything. Ooh, let me try yours. <laughs> like, it just, it, but they don't, but there's no words for it. They just naturally know that yeah. they're going to trade off yogurt so they can try all the variety. Well, these are yogurt connoisseurs. It's true. These people know their yogurt. They know their gurt. They really do. Just like Gullier. Anyway, so Michael and Fee 
think that this basket could be from the CIA, which means that it's not. <laughs> and it turns out that no, it is not. It turns out it's from a man named Tom Strickler, who is an agent to the spies, it says in the lower third. And he wants Michael to join his team and basically keep doing what he's doing, taking out his enemies, but this time in o- for other people's interests. And also Tom gets 10%. It was unclear to me exactly how Tom is making money because Michael's never making money. Well, normally Michael isn't like getting rid of bad guys for the help of other bad guys with big bankrolls. He's usually getting rid of bad guys for like suburban housewives or, you know. Got it. Like, so ba- so basically... Sad Tom, corner Tom, store owners. <laughs> yeah. So Tom Strickler is saying like, whenever you get rid of a bad guy syndicate, another bad guy syndicate profits and I am going to set up a deal where you do what you're doing and I'm going to figure out who benefits from it and charge them for the work you're already doing. Is that what I'm... Yeah, that's basically what it is. Got it. That's like roughly it. Like, yeah. Like you have enemies and other people's and those enemies also have enemies. So I go and say, hey, I can get rid of this guy for you. And then, yeah, you, you just pay me and then I'll... Yeah, he'll take some off the top. Michael gets the money. And that everyone's, like, simpatico. Tom also tells Michael that one of his enemies, an angry Ukrainian, who at this point does not have a name, is already on his way to get him. But Michael is not interested. Uh, Michael wants nothing to do with this man. All he wants to do is get back into the CIA. Back at the apartment, Fee is trying the yogurt. <laughs> Michael tells her that a Ukrainian is angry with him. And Fee's like, which one? And Michael's like... Dude, I don't know. There's so many. (laughs) So many Ukrainians hate me. It's a real problem. That whole country is just a no-go for Michael. And so Fee tells him that she knows a gun smuggler who might know which Ukrainian it is because he has connections and he knows who comes in and out of Miami. But she cannot arrange the meet because she has stolen guns from him in the past. Which I do love. I love that I every time Fiona's stuff that she does off screen comes up, I love it. I love that Fiona has this rich criminal life outside of Michael Weston's goody two-shoes bullshit. And that every once in a while, it impacts the story positively or negatively. I just think it's very funny. Yeah. I do think it's also interesting on a show that is a lot of the times very resolutely anti-crime guy. Well, that see, that's the important just gets thing. To be crime guys are crime bad. Woman. Crime girls are hot. But also bad a lot of the time. But Fee gets to be a criminal, and that's fine. Like, Michael will look on her disapprovingly sometimes, being like, yeah, you got to do that. But there's never a whole lot of hemming and hawing about the fact that Fee just sells guns to criminals. Yeah, and and that's that's a pretty big deal. Like, because I was going to make the argument, like, well, maybe it's because, like, her criminal stuff doesn't hurt anybody. But it fully does. She's, sending, she's selling guns to criminals. She's basically Brennan, just on a smaller scale. Yeah, but that's just a part of her character. So it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I do enjoy that. Honestly, I do, too. I, I like that about her. I just like that she's got her own shit going on. And I like being reminded I that agree. she's not just all about Michael Weston. Yeah, there's she has a whole life outside of him, as much as... She is obsessed with him and determined to have the same fight over and over again. I think that's because everything else in her life is clearly going amazing. And so the yeah. only thing that she could possibly have to do is deal with Michael Wesson's bullshit. And that's why she only has that's one true. thing with him. There was also an important thing that we learned earlier in this episode where apparently Michael a lot of the time is 
bumming money from her. That We did learn that. And I like that, too. I like that she's kind of his sugar mama. Exactly. Well, because he's not keeping any of it. She's like, someone's got to pay the bills around here. Anyway, so then Sam calls from Madeline's to let Michael know that Strickler has given Madeline some curtains. And he wants to know, what's up? Who the fuck is Strickler? And Michael explains Strickler's deal and asks Sam to look into him. Also, Madeline is still mad that Sam blew her house up. Which, you know what? That's fair, Madeline. And part of me's like, well, he did save her life. But also, it's his it's his fault that her life had to be saved. So It's also a little bit her fault. Well, it's Michael's fault. The fault's a little spread around. It's not that different from the A-plot this week, actually. It's true. So, Michael approaches this gunrunner, Beck. And he approaches Beck cold and is basically like, I'm a friend. Help me. <laughs> also, weird side note. Before I watched this episode, I was listening to a podcast that was about the musician Beck. So anytime everyone mentioned the fact that this guy was Beck, or anytime that I wrote Beck in my notes, which I did a lot, I just kept thinking of musician Beck, who is a very different man from this Beck. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an extremely different experience there. Can you imagine if it was musician Beck, though? I think it would be great. <laughs> Like, musician Beck was just super into Burn Notice and wanted them to write him in. And so they wrote him as himself into an episode of Burn Notice where he's also, like, a drug runner slash arms dealer. That would be great. I would love to see someone cameoing on Burn Notice just because they love Burn Notice. Well, because that's a thing that happens in Hollywood all the time. I know. But, like, generally it's for shows wherein that makes sense. (laughs) I think the weirder thing is knowing people who are fans of Burn Notice. (laughs) It doesn't have a high enough profile. It's not like Star Wars where it's like everyone's like, get me into Star Wars. And every friend of J.J. Abrams is like, here, put me in Star Wars. So Star Wars is just full of fucking lost people. Although there's someone we'll get to later that I'm curious about. Okay. And I had a thought, but we'll see. We'll get to that. So he goes and approaches Beck. And then Beck has this whole speech about how he doesn't have friends. He has enemies and associates. It's really long and it's not a great speech. No, it's not. It's sort of just like, oh, so this guy and Michael aren't going to get along. And it's very writerly and first drafty. Like it it's something that if I was like an editor reading it, I'd be like, you need to cut this down. This just no one would people don't talk like this. Yeah. This is this is not sound like something a human being has said. Yeah. In in general, Beck has a tendency to talk in a way that people do not talk. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. And it's also, it's weird because he's, Beck as a character is supposed to be someone who is a big deal, but also kind of an idiot. Well, he, I, I assume doesn't do the dirty work himself very often. No, he has guys for that. No, he has associates for that. Yeah. Anyway, so he says this whole thing. And then Michael says, hey, I know someone's been stealing your guns. I can make that not happen. And then Beck gets more upset. He's like, are you stealing my guns? <laughs> are you threatening me and stealing my guns and just walking in here like a crazy person who I've never fucking met? Michael's like, no, but I've had sex with the person who has. <laughs> um, no, but he says, I can make that stop. And then this gets interrupted by a whole like extraction team of Ukrainians bursting in and taking both of them prisoner. Well, so technically it was Russians because later on it's established that the main bad guy is Ukrainian, but he has Russian thugs working for him. Okay, so these guys are Russians. Yeah, right. these these guys are specifically Russian, but they work for the mysterious Ukrainian. Yes, who is not yet named. <laughs> but anyway, so these Russian guys just break into this restaurant totally take it apart they float 
like smoke bombs and flash grenades in there. They are not subtle. No, but Russians rarely are. That's a thing about our podcast that listeners need to know if you're if this is your first episode. We are very racist against Russians. Mm-hmm. Just like the Irish are racist against money launderers. Exactly. And Michael Weston can't speak Spanish. Yeah. All things that we have established it's- in detail on this podcast. All of it's canon. All of it is canon. Okay, so in the Russians van, I've written Ukrainians extensively in my notes, but in the Russians van. Yeah, well. Beck tries to explain that he's got nothing to do with Michael. That, like, he's barely met him. He knows nothing. But Michael knows that if Beck knows nothing, then they're just going to kill him. So Michael has to be like, oh, no, he's just a coward. He's trying to betray me. (laughs) He tells them in Russian, just like, like, he is a coward who's betraying me. Just to make them think that he's important so that they don't, don't kill him. Meanwhile, Fee arrives at the restaurant where Michael and Beck got taken and finds Michael's sunglasses. All these fucking sunglasses. These fucking sunglasses. They're not even good sunglasses. They're just regular sunglasses. No, it looks like he bought them at a convenience store. They're just he fucking leaves sunglasses. them there Everybody because chill. they're so iconic that like they will catch Fiona's eye. He leaves them in a little plant potter. And, like, she sees them and goes, oh, those are the Weston sunglasses. And then also his cell phone is there. And on the cell phone, there is a picture of this guy who I think we learned his name, Vlad, who is the head of the extraction team. And I guess it's 2009 and he couldn't have sent the picture to her. Yeah. Well, I probably. That's not a thing that we were doing then. Probably opening up, like, a single app, like, to take the photo was easier than opening, than also opening up a text message and sending it. I'm like, I mean, it does all happen very fast, but like, it was unclear if like he was trying. I thought when he took the picture in the previous scene that he did send it. So it was weird that it had to be like, oh, I maybe have to he find sent it the to the phone. wrong number, and so Fiona never got it, and luckily saw it on his phone. But some other random person is like, new number, who dis? I would love that. I would love <laughs> just like a one-off like random and then i but you know it would be really good is if that came back so like michael has the wrong number for fiona and so fiona's always like why are you calling sam instead of me and he's like i always call you first and you never answer and then we just get cutaways to this random person in miami who keeps getting a frantic phone call from michael weston like who is this what are you talking about that would be amazing <laughs> very different show but i don't know i'm just just spitballing here anyway so fee calls sam and they decide the best move is to get the info of who these people are out of Strickler. However, Madeline won't let Sam leave without hearing what's going on. This Um, old chestnut. This old chestnut. In the van, Michael gets free and pretends to attack Beck in order to get both of them out of the van. Once they're out, they find themselves on a dirt road in the woods, Everglades. Yeah, Everglades. It's sort of, it's, it's the Everglades, but it also, there's a lot of trees and woods. They call it the woods a lot. I don't know about nature. I, I've only been to Florida once, but there's a lot of trees and rivers. There's and also a lot of coronavirus yeah. now, too. Michael's like, get into the trees. And Beck's like, fuck that. <laughs> but like, Beck does not want to follow Michael. But Michael just pulls him along into the trees uh, while a whole bunch of Russians with so many guns follow them. The only one of the two of them that has a gun is Beck. Beck has one gun, and that is all they have. But the Russians have... Just a stupid number of guns. I mean, they are an extraction team, and they are Russians. And as you know, I'm yeah. racist against Russians, and I assume all Russians always are, like, packing way too much heat, an inappropriate amount of heat. 
Exactly. Anyway, so back at Madeline's, Sam is still lying to Madeline. Sam's like, it's fine. We're going we're gonna to go to movies. Whatever. We like movies. I like movies. You've seen movies? I've movies. And then Fee arrives and wants to know what the holdup is. And then Madeline points out that, you know, I didn't fall apart the last time you told me what the fuck was going on with Michael. I can handle it. I just want to know what's going on with my son. Yes, which, which is, is the valid. Yeah, and is the first time that her, like, holding shit up feels motivated in a way that makes sense and also sh- shares with us that, oh, right, Madeline is a human being and not a caricature of a harpy. True. This is an episode that gets Madeline better. Well, replicating a lot of the same beats we've seen with Madeline, it uses Madeline a lot better than other episodes have. Right. It uses the same beats, but it's like, but what if she was a competent, actual human being during these moments and not just like a shrieking, crazy woman? Yeah. Which I think is the benefit of having newer a, writers, some fresh eyes looking mm-hmm. at, yeah, on this character. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, yeah, this whole episode, it does feel different. Like, a lot of the stuff we've seen before, but just, like, the tone is slightly different. The jokes are slightly different. Yeah, and it's it's also interesting because, like, basically everything about this episode is new. Like, there's not an ongoing plot, really. Like, there's the ongoing plot of, like, Michael wants to be in the CIA, but that doesn't really come up. Like, there's this new mercenary pimp that comes into play. Um, yes. new gun runner friend of Fiona's or enemy of Fiona's, like new Ukrainian person we've never heard of. Like the, there's no um, moon blood good in it. Like basically this is like the new episode arc, like a totally separate. So it's like, it feels unconnected from everything else happening because it sort of exists on its own. And so the fact that it was also written and directed by totally fresh eyes makes it even more sort of an out of place oddball episode. Yeah, it feels like we're watching another different show that also has the same premise as Burn Notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I would say that. I don't dislike it. No, I don't either. I do think as an episode, it has a problem of just being a lot of just holding a lot of like, it's very it's a very repetitive episode. Sure. Uh, but that's kind of the point of it. But anyway. We'll see more of that. But yeah, so Madeline wants to know what's going on. And they finally tell her. And she lets him go. I was like, okay, cool. Get him. True to her word. She was like, yeah, that's all I fucking needed. And I was reasonable. Back in the woods, Beck threatens to shoot Michael and then use him to bargain with the Russians. But Michael tells him that they're not going to bargain. And it's like, do you even speak the language? And he's like, I got guys for that. It's like, they're not going to like wait for you to get a translator they're just going to shoot you i think i think a lot of what beck's confusion is is that he does not understand that michael weston is important like i think in his mind he's just some random guy and like if he can be like no i'm not a part of this they'll be like oh okay that's fine like i don't think that he understands the stakes of people are after michael weston he just thinks people are after this guy and i i buy that that is a confusing thing for him because michael weston does not seem like someone who is particularly important or interesting the thing is it doesn't feel as much like he doesn't get that michael weston is important is that he's misunderstanding the stakes of who the russians are but i think that some of that has to stem from 
who Michael Weston is. Because if this is just a month, like, I think he considers this a pretty low level, like, you know, some kind of gang situation. I'm not in his gang. I'm in a different gang that's unrelated to this situation. You guys all sort it out. Like, I don't think that he gets the sort of worldwide implications of this situation. Yeah. That was what I, mean, I read from it, at least. Which is weird because it seems kind of clear. Like, even if he doesn't get that Michael's important. Like, he gets that these guys seem to be hardcore guys. It's also especially weird because, spoiler alert, we get to the end of the episode and it turns out he knows Russian mob guys. That's fair. You'd think he'd have a familiarity. But no, it's it kind of, it feels like he's being willfully ignorant. Like, I get the sense that, like, he doesn't understand the kind of situation that he's in. And that makes sense. But in order for him to keep misunderstanding the situation, he has to be really bad at reading the room. That's fair. In a way that makes him seem dumb. But yeah, so Michael basically tells Beck, come with me if you want to live. (laughs) So Fee and Sam get on Strickler's boat and point a very big gun at him and demand info. And they show him the picture of the head of the extraction team. And uh, Strickler tells them that this guy is Vlad. And he works for the Ukrainian, whose name is Chechik, ah. aka who is the director of last week's episode. Uh, the director of many episodes. Jeremiah Chechik has been in, like, m- every season of Burn Notice so far. So it's a nice little nod to him. I always like when they do that. Like, Fiona's boyfriend's name is Campbell, and, like, the Libyan guy's name was Anwar. Like, I like when they do that, because it makes it feel yeah. like they really were, like, all having fun. Like, for, for all of our jibs and jabs, it seems like this is a group of people who really like each other and, like, are just having a good time. And you know what? I like that about them. I do, too. Because, like, there are shows that you can tell, like, these people don't hang out after the show. <laughs> Like, these people don't talk to each other when they're not on camera. But this show does feel like these are people who, like, enjoy being around each other and from the top down. And I like that. It's a little family. It's a little family. Anyway, so Sam knows about Chechik, and he knows that Chechik does really hate Michael. <laughs> and so Strickler says that Do we learn why? Know some, it's eventually we learn why. Because I would have loved it, to see uh, a little he, But, like, in a vague sort of way. like He did spy he stuff got, to him. He did spy stuff and Chechik got like arrested. Right? Oh, yeah. He did go to jail or something. I do think I, I remember them saying that. I just kind of wish, yeah. especially in the moment where Michael's like, which Ukrainian is it? I wish he and Fiona had gone back and forth about like, you know, is it this Ukrainian? No, nah, he's still in jail. What about this Ukrainian? No, he actually sent me a Christmas card a couple of years later. He's he's actually fine with me. And like, I, yeah. I would have liked to hear a little bit more about Michael's Ukrainian exploits and all of the people that apparently hate him. That would have been a fun little like runner if this was like an o'neill or tracy episode that definitely would have happened yeah yeah that's true yeah whereas like there's jokes in this episode but like not that the kind jokes of jokes are different. yeah 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 not it, that kind of joke it's more situational like i feel like the the tracy and o'neill are better at hard jokes yeah and like the burn notice that they write is a little more absurd mm-hmm. the world that they create is an absurd world and a more of a way than like some of the other writers yeah agreed. and like this is definitely not, like, a world of absurdity. Mm-mm. But, yeah, so Str- Strickler knows some pilots who could have flown Chechik into the country. And Fee encourages him with her big gun to figure out who did it really quickly. <laughs> Back in the woods, Michael is leaving a trail so that the Russians can keep following them, uh, which Beck hates. His plan is to lure them out and get them far away from their supplies. Beck hates this idea 
and wants to make a stand right where they are. Um, there are five guys, and he has five bullets, so the math checks out. <laughs> well, even Michael is like, a hundred percent kill rate that's your plan and he's like well what else am i gonna do and then michael's like all right you're right let's do that let's do your thing no but that's the thing is that like he has to be stupid to think that's a good idea but then michael does it he goes no, through no, with but the he plan. doesn't really i mean he does not he, really like he does make the stand though he like decides to stop running but he like they stop running but then they immediately say okay but we should still retreat some more so that they can, so we don't get flanked. Like, they never really stop retreating. Well, but they do stop running. Like, they let, they allow them to catch up. They do, they do do that. But yeah, but even still, like, this idea that, like, he can take out, that he's going to kill all five of these guys with his five with, bullets. Yeah, with his single bullet per. Yeah, make him seem stupid. Like, even if he's not aware of, like, the politics and, like, of what's going on and how important Michael is. He's still like a crime guy who shoots people, right? I mean, maybe he's like a higher level. Like he he never had to. Well, no, that's not true. Because we learned that he like clawed his way out of the evergreens, blah, blah, blah. So exactly. he, he hasn't yeah. always been like, a boss. Because sometimes you can give people yeah, a no. little bit of a pass for like, they've always been in charge. They've never had to do like the dirty work. But this guy, his whole backstory is apparently that he was he's done with the dirty work. He doesn't want to do dirty work anymore. Exactly. Yeah, it it means that he just has to be stupid. Yeah, and that's always frustrating when a character has to be stupid for a plot reason and not for, like, a character reason. Yeah. Yeah, so Michael's like, we'll try to separate them and so we don't get flanked because if we just start shooting right now, they'll know our position and then get us. So back in town, Fee and Sam have located the pilot that flew Chechik in, a smarby drunk guy with a gun. So Fee walks over and subtly threatens to blow his balls off. His, doesn't his two them. closest friends, she says. His two closest friends. That's the kind of joke that this script does. But you know what? I this didn't guy, I didn't hate it. I liked it. I thought it was funny. No, it's not a bad joke. I'm just saying that like that's the like that's the kind that's the genre of joke that we're Yeah, it's it's a little bit less like, playful. It's it's more like kind of badass, like funny yeah. but kind of dark. And I don't think there's that kind of darkness in Tracy uh, O'Neill scripts. Yeah, it's a little bit sillier. Or Horowitz scripts either. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, those are those are all sillier burn notice writers, and these guys are like, yeah. I think coming at it from like more of a hard boiled like this is a serious spy show. But every once in a while, somebody can make a clever joke. Like it's an it's a clever aside exactly. versus a joke. Yes, agreed. This guy, incidentally, is played by a guy named David Sussman, who is. Not an actor. Really? Who he's, is he? Well, I think he on his website it says he's an actor. But according to IMDb, he doesn't act in other shows. What he does do is he was a writer for Mystery Science Theater. Really? He he was a writer for MST3K. Like, was in their writer's room for a long time. I have no idea what he's doing here. <laughs> like, his IMDb is just this. Maybe he knew one of the Science other writers? Theater. This is the thing. Also, MST3K probably had been off the air for a few years now. And so, like, maybe he was just trying his hand at acting. He's looking for work. So you said his website does know. call him an actor? Yes. Um, I mean, my website calls me an actor. I mean, you have done a lot of acting. If somebody, like, cast you in something, it would make sense because you have a whole, like, resume of acting credits now. 
This is true. My there's more stuff on my IMDb than this guy's IMDb. Yikes! Uh, but it does feel weird that this guy is just here. Yeah, that is that is strange. I mean, he's not like good or like I don't have a, a particular opinion on his acting ability. It just, no, it, he's not that great. He's fine. How did you find this out? Did you like think like this guy doesn't on- seem like an actor? I got to figure it out. Yeah, no, I thought, yeah, he, I just thought he was kind of weird. Um, and I was curious, so, and I checked, like... So you got you got a vibe, you did a vibe check, and you figured I just got out. a vibe, and I was like... But also, I may have seen him on an episode of... Because he did act on an episode of MST3K, and maybe I saw him. There was something about him that was weirdly familiar to me or something. Um, and I was like, yeah, no, the only thing, other thing that he's done is write for Mystery Science Theater. That's This is why I was wondering... Is he a fan of Burn Notice? I, that was going to be my assumption, the thing that we talked about last... Was that earlier this episode or last week? I don't remember yeah. anymore. That was, yeah, earlier... Th- yeah, no. Maybe he is a fan of Burn Notice, and he was like, I want to be on Burn Notice. God. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> I would love to be on Burn Notice. It's just... It's a weird little detail. That is a very weird little detail. I'm glad you did some investigation. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, back uh, to back the in the woods. Uh, back in the woods... In the weeds, if you will. Michael demands that Beck give him his shoelaces. <laughs> he wants to set up like a, a trap in order to convince the Russians to fan out and so they can injure one of them. Beck obviously doesn't like this. Again, it's a very repetitive episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michael's also not like explaining it super well. Like Michael, he also has an apologize. And I something that did strike me throughout this episode is that this episode does understand the Michael Weston is bad at like bedside manner because at no point is he, is he like, listen, this is what's going on, even broad strokes. Like, I'm really sorry that you're caught up with this, but I promise you, if you work with me, I will get you out of this alive and I will stop bothering you. I am very, like, he doesn't apologize. He doesn't try and reason with this guy. He's just like, he does he, kind of say this, that speech eventually. Yeah, but it takes him he so long. He doesn't lo- apologize. Exactly. But it also it takes take like him a long so time. long. Like, that's the shit that you say immediately. Like, when a teenage girl is freaking out and it's like, this isn't a big deal. I want to go to prom. You'd be like, listen. This is really serious. You will die. I know you haven't immediately seen danger, but that's because I have been keeping them at bay. I know you think this is an overreaction, and I would prefer that to you being literally dead. But the problem is he doesn't do that. He's just like he moves forward as if everyone else should already understand that, like, the, like to the be stakes. Fair, I mean, I agree. But to be fair, in defense of Michael Weston, 13-year-old teenage girls are, with only a few exceptions, not crime guys. (laughs) But I'm just saying, like, this guy doesn't, has no reason to trust Michael. The first thing Michael does when he comes in is he, like, he says something weird, and so he gives him a weird speech. And then Michael Wesson's like, I know who's stealing your guns, and I can get them to stop. And he's like, are you stealing my guns? So all that he knows about this guy is that he is at least tangentially involved with stealing shipments from him and now he is involved enough with him to know that like some really dangerous guys are after him i would also kind of want to sell him out i don't know why no, i would trust him he has not I given me any re- wanting reason to sell michael out makes sense i have no problem with that i have a problem with the fact that he's so bad and like seems to not understand at all what's happening and i think 
I just Michael's think he fundamentally doesn't trust Michael. Because Michael, again, he thinks he can just shoot five guys with his five bullets. Well, so that's dumb. But, like, like in terms of not cooperating no, but like, with Michael, He has a I lot guess. of opinions like that. He seems to, like, part of the point is that Michael is being like, this is how you survive. And he's like, well, I know I can just, like, I can just talk to them or something or whatever. You know, like. I think it just all stems like, from the, like foundation if he doesn't trust michael which is fully fair whether no, or not he his his, his, like his not. response is stupid and it's it's unfortunate that like the characterization is just this guy doesn't know what's happening but i buy that like some of the incompetence is just coming come well i don't want to do your thing so i guess i'll just do this kind of ill-advised thing because i fucking don't trust you and i'd rather fuck up but know that it was me than like follow you into a trap I mean, that makes sense. If he had articulated that, if that was there. Because a lot of the episode just plays like he's dumb. Yeah, that's fair. Um, In a way that he shouldn't be. Like, I think Michael's partially frustrated because, like, he's kind of assuming this guy will be up to speed because he's a crime guy. (laughs) This is, we're doing crime right now. You're in the middle of crime. You should be comfortable here. Is this not familiar to you? This is where we thrive. (laughs) We are of crime. We are of crime. Of of Fred, of crime, of Warren. But yes, uh, so Michael demands that Beck give him his shoelaces because he wants to set a trap. And then Beck doesn't like this and points a gun at Michael and says, maybe they should start listening to the guy with the gun. So Michael very casually just takes the gun. I did like that. I always love when someone casually like disarms someone who's not being casual at all. Like that's what I like about Brennan as a character is he's so casual about like, oh, this is so boring. And I'm then like shoot someone. Like I love that. I don't know why, but I just love casual competence in the like the face of sort oh, yeah. of somebody overreacting. I really enjoy that a lot. No, I do love watching someone just grab a gun from someone else. <laughs> that is always good. So now Michael has the gun. And he's like, can I have your shoelaces? Does Michael not have shoelaces or does he just not want to give up his? I don't know. You know, that's a good question. (laughs) I did not look at Michael's shoes. Hang on. While you continue recapping, I am going to do some investigating of Michael's shoes. Um, Maybe he needs... I mean, when we eventually see the shoelaces being used, it's quite long. So it's entirely possible that he's tying all of the shoelaces together. I'm going to investigate. Uh, it could anyways. be that it just need... Yeah, it could be just a long stretch. Um, he says he needs the shoelaces. He does not say whether or not he likes the shoelaces or if he got them from the president, though. Um, and then Michael very casually takes the gun from him and then just puts it down. He puts the gun down to keep working on his trap. And then so Beck's like, I'm just going to steal it back. And they get into a whole second scuffle over the gun and then Michael eventually just gets the gun and says like Michael wins because he used to be a spy and Beck is finally like fine (laughs) have my stupid shoelaces meanwhile Sam dutifully calls Madeline to give her an update on their progress and they say they have the pilot and they're gonna take him to the loft and interrogate him and Madeline says no bring him here to my place because it's much closer and you don't have time to waste and also She probably wants to kill him. And back in the woods, Vlad and his guys find Michael's trap. And they're like, oh, this is a trap. And so we should split up because it's a trap. And so they split up to find him. And then Michael 
jumps Vlad, but Vlad is very strong and good at fighting, actually. And it only takes Beck jumping in and distracting him to allow Michael to choke him out. Um, they need him alive, however, even though Beck really wants to kill him. And at this time, I'm slightly with Beck. I'm like, I understand that. Like, oh, no, we got one. We can kill this one. Then there'll be less. Um, and it seems kind of weird that you want to keep him alive. I don't understand that. Surely it'll be harder for them if their leader guy isn't alive. Um, eventually, we learn that Michael's whole plan seems to be getting Chechik to come into the woods. But he does not reveal this at the time. And that is shitty of Michael. Yes, this is the thing. is Michael's always just like, just go with me. Like, he treats everyone like they're Sam, who just like should get it should understand implicitly what he's doing. And if they don't understand implicitly what he's doing, at least implicitly trust him. And that's not the case. And, you know, that might be a a kind of thing in favor of him wanting to get back into the spy game. Because, like, in the spy game, when you have allies, for the most part, they, like, have to trust you and they kind of know the parameters of the thing. But Michael is constantly in civilian life being thrown into situations with people who don't implicitly trust him and have, like, a similar mission or, like, set of, you know, rules of engagement. And I can imagine that being frustrating, that, like, he he doesn't feel like he has to slow down and explain things. Like, he should be able to just do his work. And that could be, if if they were, if I trusted Matt Nix as a writer, that would be the thing. Like, the reason Michael's bad at Bedside Manor is because he's used to not having to do it. No, I think that, like, I think that's enough. I can headcanon that. Like, I can, death of the author, read that into the character. That's kind of what I got. Yeah. Anyway, so they fuck up Vlad's leg and steal his shit so that they have weapons finally and then leave him to be found by his men so that he can call Chechik. And Beck is like, I don't know if this is going to work. This seems like a bad idea. I don't think this is going to happen. And then um, Vlad immediately calls Chechik on the phone and Michael is vindicated. And then Beck quotes Han Solo from for some reason and is like, and says, don't get cocky. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Madeline's, Sam and Fee have the pilot, Mystery Science Theater writer, tied up in the garage. But he's too scared of Chechik to talk. He does not think that they will hurt him in the way that Chechik will. While they, so while Sam and Fee debate about what to do next, Madeline sneaks into the garage and quietly scares the shit out of him in a way that i fully believe she did so good i was so proud of her she just like she sat down she was sort of chattering away it was actually very michael westony of her because michael does a lot does that a lot where he just sort of like sort of lulls people into like a false sense of security by just like constantly chattering and then you start to pick up what he's actually chattering about. And he continues to be super like the same delivery, the same sort of just whatever, but getting more and more dark about the information he is giving you. And I kind of like that as like a little, um, a, a parallel of both of them are just like, if I'm just calm and chattery, then at first they'll think that we're pals and then they'll start to realize, Oh God, they, I might be the scariest of all. Yeah, she implies that, like, like she comes in very good cop and, like, gives him a cigarette. There's a real fun thing because they've, like, duct tape his face. And so, like, um, she offers him a cigarette and then, like, takes the duct tape off his mouth, but only, like, halfway. Mm-hmm. And then sticks the cigarette in there. And so he's still got duct tape on his face, but also he's got a cigarette in his mouth. And he's, like, increasingly terrified. <laughs> Yeah, because she's basically just saying, like, I mean, you're awful brave, but, you know, and, and listen, don't be afraid. 
they never they'll they won't make you suffer like it, don't worry about that at all and she's just like basically very matter-of-factly saying like yeah they're absolutely gonna kill you and this place is like no one is ever gonna hear you scream but um you know good for you holding strong well see you later and that works and she gets the coordinates from where chechik landed meanwhile in the woods chechik himself arrives with guns and ships and so the balance shifts <laughs> uh beck thinks that it's too many guys he also thinks that like beck looks like a real hard ass and they actually do a pretty fun joke where it's like, is there a Russian word for hard ass? And then the lower third. And then like Chechik arrives and the lower third has like this word in Russian and then in parentheses, hard ass. <laughs> Which like is a fun joke. I don't think he particularly looks like a hard ass. No, I don't either. I was going to say this guy seems kind of basic. Like. Yeah. Which again, really undermines Beck as a person. Uh, maybe he knows something like, we don't. Beck looks at him and he's like, oh, that guy looks scary. And it's like, I guess. <laughs> I mean, objectively in this situation, sure. But ordinarily, he's just like a dude. Like Vlad looked scarier. Mm-hmm. Vlad looked like a hard ass. It just all contributes to like Beck not working. But yes, yeah, so Michael says, this is the plan. Like now we're just going to kill Chechik and then his goons will give up. And there's this whole bit where he's like, if your got if you were shot, would your guys keep fighting until they were dead to avenge you? And he's like, yeah. And it's like, really? <laughs> like, and then suddenly he has to be like, oh, I don't know. He's like, remember, you I don't have friends. Not. So if you're not there, well, why the fuck would they care? All they care about is getting paid. Which again, he should know this. Maybe he's gotten too comfortable at the top and he's forgotten where he came from. I, I guess it's the idea. It's all I feel like very badly executed. Yes, no, that you're you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, but yeah, the, so they figure they kill. All they need to do is kill Cheshik, and then the bad guys will be no problem. Meanwhile, Fee and Sam rent a fan boat back in the woods. Cheshik <laughs> uh, orders his men to spread out. Um, he also shoots Vlad because his leg is broken, and Cheshik is a bad guy. So he's got to shoot one of his men for no good reason. Well, because he's injured so and he can't help. He is... So fuck that dude. Exactly. Uh, it's too bad that he couldn't have been saved and adopted. <laughs> <laughs> he can't send him to a farm upstate. <laughs> like, just imagine. Oh, oh, my God. What was the name of the guy from two weeks ago? Tommy. Tommy. Imagine if Tommy just comes out with Vlad. <laughs> He this just gathers him into his arms and takes him to the hospital. He's got him on. Like that exact same scene with the dog, but instead of the dog, it's Vlad. <laughs> but at this point, even Michael seems unsure of his plan. Because I think the idea was that like Chechik would go into the woods too, and he doesn't seem to be going into the woods. <laughs> and also he brought he a lot be... of guys with him. He brought so many guys. And now Michael seems uncertain. So Beck is like, well, if you don't fucking know, then fuck you. So he just like gets up and starts waving at him, and be like, "I got him! I got Michael Weston! You want him? I got him!" They immediately just shoot his legs. Yeah, they have zero desire to deal with this man. They just want want him dead. And I kind of like that. I will say the injury that he sustains looks so bad, and then he manages to walk and stand upright for the rest of the episode. Yeah, 
I thought, like, like after the, that, he should not have been able to walk at all. Yeah. Similar to Vlad, who just got fucking got. Like, it's not easy. Yeah, like, at first like, he hobbles a little bit, but then by the end of the episode, he's, like, his kneecaps have been fucking shot out with an automatic weapon, and he's just standing around making j- jokes jokes and jabs at the Russians that they've exactly. captured. It's so confusing. It's really weird. But, yeah, so they shoot his legs, and so Michael grabs him, and they run into the woods, and then, like, eventually they just walk into the river like they're gonna like cross the river or whatever it's like it's gonna walk underwater and then walk out the other side and so they get out of the river on the other side and beck at this point is sure he's gonna die of his leg wound which is definitely infected now because they just walked in like awful brackish river water and so he's so sure that he's gonna die and that michael is obviously gonna leave him behind because like that's the kind of shit he he doesn't understand because he doesn't understand that people can be good or whatever Mm mm-hmm Even though if Michael was going to leave him behind, he would have by now. Yeah, he's definitely been more trouble than he's worth the entire episode. But now Michael has this speech where he says that, like, he will save him. He cares about his life and that that Beck needs to fully trust him or he is going to die. But he will get him out. And he doesn't apologize still. Nope. No apology for it being fully his fault. But yeah. So in order to delay Chechik, Michael does leave Beck behind. So that Chechik can waste time interrogating Beck. Chechik swears on the cross that he's wearing and the eyes of his children that he will not kill Beck if he tells Chechik where Michael went. And so Beck tells him that Michael went into the swamp where the boats can't go. And then Chechik says, okay, let's go after him and tell some of his men to stay behind with Beck. And then once they find Michael, to kill him. (laughs) Oh, those poor children and their eyes. I don't believe that Chechik has children. I don't think he does. I think he's a liar. Meanwhile, Fee and Sam ride a fan boat. (laughs) So we get a montage of Michael rigging the swamp with explosives in order to make a last stand while some butt rock plays. And then we get a ton of weird editing choices. One of those burn notice montages where like someone's doing something that's fundamentally boring but they have to make it exciting Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of like random black and white shots peppered in there and like this one bit where they like occasionally like cut to black for a couple of seconds like and it's like this this like strobing effect when he goes under the water yeah it's confusing there was there was actually a good montage a couple of episodes ago um, I don't know specifically what it was, but there was one where it was just a lot of quick cuts of him doing a lot of stuff and like close-ups on the stuff he was doing. And I thought that that worked a lot better than this insane yeah. like split screen strobe non- light nonsense. Yeah. Also, these last two episodes, both last week's and this week, have had this new weird thing that they're doing with transitions where like it'll turn into black and white and kind of like grainy. Or like these weird yeah, sort of. Yeah, they did that last episode morphy. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like yeah, when she got left in, week, when she got weird, left in the jail cell. These weird kind of morphy transitions where like, it's not like a fade. It's like, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know if I like it. I do not. But I rarely like the editing and Bernetta, so that's sort of not really a yeah surprise. At least it's a new thing. I'm like, oh, this is different. You're trying something new. I suppose I could respect that. Yeah, but it's anyway purposeless. It's artless. It's just colors and noise. Signifying nothing. Yes, exactly. Anyway, so Chechik and his men arrive in the area that Michael has planned in this swamp. And then uh, Chechik and Michael talk over some walkie-talkies. And they talk about their backstory, and it doesn't matter. Like, 
they he explains his deal and then like yeah michael had gotten him arrested or something and now he works for the russians or like he and he's ex-kgb he has this whole thing about like i'm capitalist now isn't that funny and like it's all something but it none of it matters and it's weird to get it this late in the episode like considering how little of a payoff that it has it feels like they're trying to reveal something or say something with it but it's nothing it's just nothing yeah i at this point who knows and then chechik tries to use the radio to locate michael which he should have done in the first place yes he spent so long having this weird pointless conversation because, But at this point, Michael has already abandoned it, and the men trip the bombs, and then Michael just pops out of the water right behind Chechik and puts a knife to his throat and gets him to call his men off. Uh, meanwhile, the guys guarding Beck get taken out by Fee and Sam, who arrive just in time. And then, like, that's it. So <laughs> Chechik and his men are loaded into a van by... I think it's Beck's guys. Yeah, I guess because they're. Th- it's not clear. It, it's not Tom's. They're guys. not cops. Yeah, they're not cops. They're not Tom's guys because I feel like Tom would be there being smarmy about it. Yeah, no, they're not. Yeah, no, I don't think they're Tom's guys. I don't think Tom has guys. He's just like an agent. Like well, he has a also girlfriend. like we know that that's true. And like they've all got like long shirts, and I think they're supposed to look like gang people. Like you know, gang people in their tunic style shirts. Yeah, and they got, like, fucking machine guns and shit. I think they're supposed to be Beck's guys. Yeah, it's not not made explicit at all. And and Beck is just standing there like he didn't just get his knees shot out by an automatic weapon. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm also trying to figure out the timeline of... So Fee and Sam arrived. There's a moment in which Michael has Chechik with a knife to his throat. And at this point... There is Michael, Beck, who has had his arms, his legs shot out, and then Fee and Sam arrive. And then suddenly, everyone is like, has their hands tied, and someone's guys are there, presumably Beck's, but like, they would have to have called Beck's guys. Yeah. And then they have to get there. And then what was happening in the meantime? They're just chatting, just chilling. But like, just was ha- the whole time. They were kind of in a standoff. Like, obviously, the guys put their guns down, but, like, that's not, like, surrender. Yeah. I I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess they had all those guns now. Like, all the automatic weapons that they'd taken off of guys. Yeah, but they're still kind of, like, Michael and co. are definitely outnumbered. Yeah, but once they have the guns. It's a lot that's skipped over. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. It's fair and kind Especially of bizarre. Since Again, we have no idea this van that they're getting into. Like, all the men are being put in this van. Yeah, where are they going? Don't know. Where are they going? Where? Like, legit. No one says. <laughs> they just say a lot of threatening. And it doesn't sound like they're going to go kill them. Because the way that, like, the little interaction with Chechik and Beck goes down, it sounds like Beck's, like, threatening him. Like, oh, I know m- Russian mobsters. And Chechik is like, I'll pay you. I'll pay you money. I'll pay you more money. And it's like. So he doesn't think that he's about to go get killed. Because if he's about to go to get killed, that would have been his pressing concern. Not that this guy knows Russian people. Yeah. So he like, doesn't think he's going to his Chechik's death. Like, yeah. Chechik's like, like, you're going to pay for this. I, like, work for a very powerful Russian guy. and Which, again, almost feels like they're setting up, like, a new villain. Right. Or setting up a bad guy that's going to come back. But then Beck is like, actually, I know Russian guys, too. I import export for them you're the one that's fucked my dude 
And then like, yeah, Chechik just deflates. It's like, I can give you money. And it just feels like, okay. That's the other thing. Is it like all of this proper like Russian intrigue of like, this is who I work for. All this stuff is introduced so late and then just like closed just as quickly as it's opened. Yeah, it's it. You know, I didn't even consider that while I was watching. But now that you've brought this all up, I'm like, where are they going? Why is he not more free? What happened in the meantime while they were waiting for whoever to come pick them up? Who are these people? Where are they taking them? Where are they taking them? No clue. Anyway, Chechik's is dead. That's it. Like, whatever. He's gone. So then Beck says that Michael was a good friend to have after all, which seems suspect because this is all Michael's fault. <laughs> it, yeah, it's fully hey, all of his fault, but he did save him after it being... Like, he did save he him. He owned up to it, I guess, like, sort of. He saved him, but he saved him from the mess that he created. And it wasn't totally Michael's fault either, but like he didn't have to be involved in this at all. Like Beck is worse for knowing Michael Weston, but... Now Fee will no longer be stealing his guns. But that still doesn't make him a good friend. None of this makes any sense at any point. So, I mean, who really cares? All Michael, Fee, and Sam are, are people that were first stealing from him, then got him, like, shot in the leg after being dragged through the Everglades. There's no reason Beck should just be like, oh, we're simpatico now. I guess it was, like, trauma bonding. Yeah, that's the only thing that makes sense. But not, like, in a way that feels good and reason, like in Bad Breaks or something. It's almost like Bad Breaks is a superior episode to every other episode of television ever. It could be. I mean, definitely to every other burn at us. Mm. I do think it, what's interesting, though, watching season three, is that I do think they've learned a lesson from Bad Breaks. What lesson do you think and that is? I feel like we're seeing more episodes like it. Like, the Brennan episode, again felt like kind of doing a bad breaks type thing. And like, there's more episodes that are about putting Michael in a stressful situation and having him Having him improvised? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. There there have been a couple episodes like that, like the Brennan episode and this episode. And I, yeah, I agree. And I, I think that that is definitely where Michael shines better than any other moment. Like, because otherwise yeah. it's just worse leverage. And that's not what we're in this for. So Beck is fine with them. And then Michael asks Sam and Fee uh, what they're doing in this neck of the woods. Fee says that it was really sunny, which it is pointedly not. It is, in fact, raining because this is a wet, grimy episode. <laughs> and But it was sunny. So they figured they'd bring him his sunglasses. And so they, and Fee produces the sunglasses and give them to Michael. And there's this great shot of Michael putting the sunglasses on with that real goofy smile that he does. The one that like makes him trustworthy. Birthday. Yeah. But like, that's, sometimes he gets this smile that really makes him look like a kid. It's a real childlike smile. Like, yeah, it's my birthday. I got glasses. Yeah. That smile. And then we get a quick scene with Madeline where Madeline just tells Michael to be careful. And like, it's kind of sweet. Um, but that's basically it. And she also says that Trickler sent some guys to help her hang the curtains and to not wrinkle them while he sweeps them for bucks. I like that line. Which is good. I, because it's like, it's, it's sort of a nice bow on Madeline knows what the fuck is happening and she's not oblivious. She just wants to be told what's going on. Yeah, she understands things. And I hope that they maintain this level of like lucidity for her for the rest of the show. Because I can't go I back to the, too. like, 
Well, I don't understand why you can't do this. Well, I think Harlan is dumb, is, is dumb and sweet. No, I never said that. Harlan is bad, and I always said so. Like, I can't I can't keep doing this, Bernotis. Agreed. I can't. Please just let her be a person. I'm begging you. The thing is that, like, they don't know how to use her to create conflict without her being awful. That's kind of like, seems like a writing problem. That writers should Yeah, fix. no, I, I agree that it is. But, like, yeah, their conception of her is such that, like, she does have that... She has one good scene in this episode. But also, like, it's a thing of... She's not used a lot. Like, I think she's written well in this episode, but, like, she doesn't need to be in it. I mean, yeah, no, they should write her better and figure out... It's not just, like, they need to write her as a human, but they also need to figure out what her purpose is in this show. Because I think that th- they think that she can either be oblivious and shitty or knows what's happening and is basically also a spy. But I think that there's a way to be both. Like, I think there's a way for her to be like, I think you can do both. I think that the amount that you multitask means that you can call me on your birthday and take care of spy stuff or at least tell me what's happening. Like, I think she can still have unreasonable expectations without the unreasonableness being her misunderstanding of how spy work works. This is true. I, I could definitely see that. And that would be the way to do it. Cool. So how does the episode end? So this this episode ends with another scene with Strickler and the same set from last time. So we could keep that and not have to spend money on a new set. <laughs> they like drop something fell over. I don't know. So they don't have to spend money on a new set. And Strickler offers him the money that he got from some Baltic separatists who wanted Chechik dead. And Michael does not take it, of course. And he says it's because he's not a mercenary. But isn't he? Well, mercenary, I think mer- mercenary is like a morally gray position that. Yeah, but it's like just because his clients are usually nice people. But I also don't think that he that wants he's not to. Basically, a mercenary. Right. I think that. So this episode, I think, conveniently or perhaps just doesn't realize that they're forgetting the fact that Michael Weston has arranged the deaths of a lot of people in this show. But I think in Michael's head, he doesn't like the idea that he's profiting from someone who's using Uh, the good thing that he has done to do a bad thing. Like he doesn't want to profit off of the bad stuff. He only wants to profit from the good stuff. I think the real reason that he says no is that he just hates money. He hates money. He doesn't want to he, touch it. Well, otherwise, he's, like... It's his kryptonite. He's like, ah, money. Well, I think it's... Since we established that he's always getting money from Fee, he's worried that if Fiona doesn't have to support him anymore, she'll they'll have no basis for their relationship. Yeah. He thinks that Fiona really likes supporting him. And if he could support himself, well, where would they be? Where would they be, Chris? Exactly. Hey, did you... I, no, I think he's sitting... I think he's sitting in the apartment with, like... And Sam being like, "Do you know how many germs are on a dollar bill? Hundred dollar <laughs> bill, so many." And cocaine residue? Are you kidding? Keep me? that shit away from me. I don't trust it. <laughs> Something I forgot to mention. Money's in- fake. <laughs> Money's a construct, man. Um, no, something I forgot to mention in Strickler's first scene. Did you notice that he's really bad at maintaining eye contact? I did not. Because he's always looking slightly away from Michael, and. It's very bizarre because everyone in this epi- in this show usually maintains pretty like strong eye contact, especially when they're directly talking to someone or making a deal. But Strickler 
delivers a lot of his lines like kind of off to the side and then kind of comes back to Michael and it's very distracting. Pay attention if he's, I assume he's in the next episode. I guess we'll see next week, but um, pay attention to his eye line because it's not always directly at Michael and it's extremely distracting once you notice it. Well, he's a liar and, <laughs> and liars can't maintain eye contact. I, I don't know if he's in the next episode. I will say I did see a screenshot for like the next episode that was coming up and it did have a child in it. And I am. Worried. Oh yeah. I was actually going to say, Hey Chris, did you notice that the next episode centers around a child? All right. We should do spy takes. This episode yeah. is very long. All right. Let's do some spy. T- There's a lot of not great spy tips in this episode, including a lot of stuff that we've heard before. And a lot of stuff is borderline. So we're just going to go through it. Number one, a flashbang grenade temporarily impairs hearing and vision. It makes fighting back or attempting escape futile and dangerous to civilians. So if you have to shoot blind, it's better to use a camera than a gun. We get some insight into like flashbangs. I mean, like, I, don't I think, know. I think he's, we've talked about flashbang grenades before. We've talked about quite a few versions of grenades. What do you think? In a hostage situation, the same things that get you killed will extend your life. If you have money, you'll live till you pay. If you have information, you'll live till you talk. And if you have nothing, you're pretty much disposable. I mean, I guess that could be a useful list of things to pretend to have or be if you're just trying to, like, buy yourself time during a hostage scenario. Like, pretend. And, like, the lesson that it's imparting that is the last thing that you want to imply is that you're no use to them. So by saying, I'm not involved, like, this is a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Especially I, if they've already I can, seen it. I can see that. I'll, I'll give that to you. All right. Fanning out in a search pattern is a great way to cover a lot of area, but it also divides your forces. That just seems like a like a no shit thing. It really does. I'm gonna get rid of it. <laughs> they're all like this. Yeah. They're. This is not a good episode for spy tips. No, it is not. Again, new blood has never done this before. <laughs> they don't realize what we need. Exactly. But here's the thing. The next three tips are the same tip. Like, normally I would have erased two of these, but I kept them all in just to show that they wrote the same tip three times. (laughs) I'm just going to read them all. Okay. And let you decide that if any one of them, if any of them, can stay. Here they are. Delaying tactics aren't the most glamorous part of a battle plan, but they're often the most important. Slowing the enemy down buys you time to prepare the ground ahead of him. And that, more than almost anything else, wins battles. Next. For a spy, there's no shame in retreat. When faced with a more powerful enemy, you're trained to get out of the way and keep moving. It's not about running away or giving up. The goal of any retreat is to find the right place to marshal your resources and make a stand. Again. That is the same. And I just read ahead. (laughs) Military history is filled with stories of small forces taking on larger ones. Whether it's David fighting Goliath or the French resistance fighting the Nazis, the strategy is basically the same. You have to choose the right ground, deploy your resources carefully, and remember that the greatest weapon in any battle is surprise. It's the same tip. It's the same tip three times in a row. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's crazy that there are just three of the same tips. Honestly, um... And it's not even, like, this is not one of those situations where, like, he says this all in a monologue. This happens, like, scenes go by. Yeah, yeah. These are fully 
considered separate insights. Yes. I think they're all bad. It's like, hey, this is why retreating is a thing. But I, I feel like I could get that from something else. Like, that's not explicitly spy craft. That's like just a thing about military strategy. Yeah. Is there a germ of an idea in any of these? Well, he doesn't actually tell you how to make a battle plan. Like, there's not nothing about it. It's like, because, like, I would have liked to says, know. Prepare. Yeah, because they're, yeah, hey, prepare and you'll be fine. But, like, so they're at the very end, one of his little traps that he lays is, like, a um, trip wire that, like, pulls a big branch or a big, like, log upwards. And if they had actually stepped into it, it would have, like, smacked him in the face. I would have loved to see how you can, like, improvise that in the woods. That would have been an interesting spy right. tip or like what he was using but the no. shoelaces for. Like, you know, shoelaces help keep your shoes on, but they can also be an effective tripwire, blah, blah, blah. Like that would have been interesting. Teach me how to actually do the shit. Don't just tell me, hey, do some shit by retreating. <laughs> like that's nothing. I don't think any of these are anything. So none of them. No, right? there's one good spy tip in this thing. There is one good spy and tip. And it's not even week. that good. And even it is like, okay. Wow. It's borderline at best. That's the, I think this is the first episode that's only had one practical spy tip in our estimation. Yeah. No, this has not happened before. Uh-oh. New writers. New writers, man. I mean, some of the writing in the spy tips was fine, but like in terms of practical advice, there wasn't much. And that doesn't bode well considering again, that Michael Weston is himself the whole episode. Not, yeah, not explaining anything. And, but I think the last three tips being the same tip also speaks to the fact that this episode is very repetitive. Yeah, that's fair. Like, it's just delaying. The whole episode, like, is the whole episode is delaying. Like, that's what Michael's doing in the episode. But also, it's just a lot of cutting back and forth between locations while people. Do roughly the same thing. Yeah. On the way to do things and not really doing anything. This is definitely an episode that's more concerned with the journey rather than like the execution of a thing. And the problem is just that the journey isn't very interesting. No, it's not. It's just like. It's it's a very passive episode. It's so. It's just a lot of like moving from point A to point B, nothing really happening within that at all. It's just like nothing. So, it fails on spy tips. Yeah, it definitely does. Does it fail on spy craft over violence? Well, there were three different bad spy tips that told me that the way that spies work is that they retreat. And they did do a lot of but retreating. It, not even spies specifically. Yeah, it's true. It's, That's not specific to spies. Well, one of, one of the tips was. One, one of the repetitive tips was about spies retreating is a thing the other two were more general about retreating as a concept yeah um i think that it is Uh, i don't think that because like he doesn't shoot anyone until the very end and even then he like just hold a knife up to somebody's throat i feel like i mean it's mostly just him and he like like, he took the picture he called fiona so she would be on the phone with him. oh maybe that's why he couldn't text her because he was already like had an open phone call line with her. And I don't remember how... That's true. And I don't remember how cell phone technology worked at this time. You probably couldn't have, like, gone away. Oh, yeah, you definitely couldn't have done. That makes sense. Yeah, but that's, like... And that's all barely anything. It's... The the problem is that, like, he doesn't do violence. 
but he doesn't really do much spy shit either. He just walks. Well, he knows that they need to get the guys separated so that he can hurt the leader, so that the leader can call in the, like, alpha leader, Chechik. The thing is that, like, he's not really a spy in this episode. He's a commando. That's true. That's a good point. This is, like, Rambo or something. Or, like, some sort of, like, especially since we're, like, in the forest that feels like Vietnam. But it would but I feel like if it was more commando, he would be more concerned with actually like separating and then slowly killing off everyone. Whereas Michael is just trying to position them to get the big bad guy out here so he can just end it. A commando situation, he yeah. would have been like it would have been a diehard thing where he slowly but surely like killed off each individual member until they were totally alone. Would have been a more fun episode. It definitely would have been a more fun episode, but it would also have been a less less spycraft episode. So I'm willing to give it spycraft over violence just because of like his his manipulation of the situation was more power structure and less like physical bravado. I don't know if I agree, but I'll give it to you. I mean, this this episode is going to fail, so it kind of doesn't matter. This episode is going to fail. Okay, yeah. There's no alias. Yeah, there's not a single alias. Michael Weston is Michael Weston the entire episode. He's actually peak Michael Weston in some ways because he is so aggressively bad at giving any sort of explanation for why things are occurring and why other people should be trusting him. This random person who, as far as they know, is just getting them into trouble. Fee and Sam, do they do anything? Uh, what do Fee and Fee Sam Fee threatens do? to blow someone's nuts off. I did like that. That was fun. But that's only one they, fee moment. And that doesn't. They rent a fan boat. <laughs> and then they ride a fan like, boat. I didn't. Yeah. Like, I didn't talk about the scene, but it's kind of a fun scene. But it's like, it's just basically bribing the fan boat guy. Like, like, and there's a fun payoff. Because, like, first they're like, hey, how much is it to rent a fan boat? And how much is it to rent it off the books? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. Just another 50 bucks. I didn't even ever see you. And they're like, cool. And then later, when they're, like, literally piling crime guys in a van, he's like, yeah, you didn't see this either. <laughs> that is funny. But, yeah, I don't think, I like, Sam definitely doesn't do anything this episode. Yeah, and Fee barely does anything. Yeah, Fee just like, had the... Madeline gets more of a moment than either of them. That's true. It was an excellent Madeline episode. But yeah, you're right. I don't think I don't think this was. I wouldn't even say it was an excellent Madeline episode. It was a fine. Okay, compared compared to literally any other Madeline episode, this is an excellent Madeline episode. Has have there been any other standout episodes with Madeline in them? Madeline gets a whole scene just to herself with none of the other main cast on there that fundamentally changes the course of the episode. If that's not an excellent Madeline episode, I don't know what to tell you. That's true. Uh, But yeah, I don't Um, think Fee or... The the most that Fee did was sample yogurts. Yeah, it failed that. Like, so far, it's failed three out of four of our criteria, and I would argue it only barely passes the one that it I will allow that it barely passes it, but I think based on the way that we have, like... Described spycraft and the way that this would have gone had it been a more commando like SEAL Team Six style show. I think that it passes barely, but Uh, it passes. I'll I'll agree with that. So, yeah, this is not a great episode of Burn Notice. It's not. It's the first episode of season three that was not considered a great episode of Burn Notice. There were the first two episodes were on the line, they both had two and a half 
of the four that they needed to uh, to pass. Um, but yeah, this is the first one that fully fails. This is also, I think, the most spectacular failure of any episode of Burn Notice. Um, not be- being be a great episode. Notice. Yeah. But it, is this a good episode of television? It, uh, no, it's definitely not. It also has the most yogurts of any individual Burn Notice episode, though. So that's interesting. They think that I think that they thought they could overcompensate by over yogurting us. <laughs> and then not giving us any of the other good stuff that we needed. Yeah, as if the writers were like, well, what's this show about? Well, it's about yogurt. <laughs> well, this spy really loves yogurt. And it, it, it's too bad because, like, I like I enjoyed watching this episode. Like, I had a good time. And, you know, once again, like, we're in that part of the season where it's a, it's better than the, wor- the worst episodes of season one, for sure. Like, this episode is definitely a stronger episode of television than a lot of season one's episodes were. But, um, you know, now, even within this season, I've seen the potential of this show and it's just not living up to it. And again, I think no, it's, it's I think and it's like, the specificity. They they went too broad and they didn't, you know, they didn't ground us in humanity. Grounding us in specificity think, and humanity is what makes this show fun. Yeah, I think yeah. Part of it is just new people. No one in like the director, the writers, no one's really got a handle on the tone of the show. Like I said at the beginning, this feels like an episode of a different television show. This episode's not very good. No, I mean um, it was fun. Like I, I enjoyed surprised. I enjoyed watching it. Like I was I, surprised you enjoyed I thought it was fine. I was like not Well, you were also having to take notes, and this kind of an episode is hard because it's 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 easy to mindlessly enjoy, but as soon as you start having to take notes on it and like recap it, the the holes start shining through. And, like, this is the kind of episode where if you're just watching it, it's fine. It's a fine episode. Something's a little off. It's definitely not going to be your favorite. But, you know, it was it was diverting. It was exciting. It was at least paced. Like, stuff was happening or appeared to be happening. But as soon as you dive a little deeper, you're like, oh, I think this is bad. I think this is not a good episode. So it's... it's, it's- I will say, I think for this this episode, like last week's episode, I feel like for me is largely let down... By its guest star. Hmm. I I think it's also a case of like not having a very good conception of the guest star and then like betting everything on that. I mean, but I think in both like, cases, a lot of it was the writing. No, I agree. I mean, not necessarily like the guest star, the actor, but like the guest, the character. Like, sure. The episode hinges on executing this character correctly like not every burn notice episode requires that but both last week and this week required that this guest character the plot comes from michael having to deal with this character yeah that's true that's fair and in both times they kind of whiff it in different ways obviously this is whiffed in a much less problematic way than last week's was whiffed but like it still becomes this thing of like I'm not entertained by this person. Like yeah, that's fair. I'm with you. Yeah, and like he's the crux. It's a shame because I think both last week and this week had a lot of potential. Last week had less potential, but also had more potential just because of the writer and like the quality of the script. Otherwise, mm-hmm. but like this is a fun concept, and it yeah. Anyway, with that. 
All that's left is to thank Vincent E.L. for our theme music. If you want more music from Vincent, go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. Go right now and buy music because Bandcamp is waiving their fees and giving all their money to creators. Yes. Um, so it's a good Do time it. to buy some music from Bandcamp. And let us know um, if you want us to start a Patreon, because we're going to fucking do it. We'll do it. Yeah. Cowards. We'll do it if you want us to do it. With that, there's nothing left to say, but bye. I used to be a little boy. <laughs> <laughs>